Okay, what will it be like in heaven? Who's going to be there? And what surprises will you find there? Now, the first surprise is this. Not everybody who thinks they're going is. That's the first surprise. Uh, I'll talk about that more towards the end. But Jesus, ought to, it ought not to surprise you that Jesus is in heaven. As a matter of fact, after his death, when they thought it was all ruined, everything was a disaster, and he rose up out of the grave 40 days later, he waved goodbye and he headed up straight up and is, is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. No surprise that you'll see Jesus there. That God Almighty is there, surrounded by 10,000 times 10,000 angels. That's 100 million, if you want to know what that math is. Loads and loads of angels. You'll find Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. All will be there, great men and women of faith. You read about their, them in Hebrews chapter 11, telling you they are a great cloud of witnesses. Not only that, King David and Solomon... Prophets of Elijah and Elisha will be there, loads of them. I, this is no way exhaustive. It'd be like a telephone book, like the old telephone books for London or something, ten times over. But Peter, James, and John, the great apostle Paul, there'd be no surprise when you meet Paul. It will be a surprise to meet Jonah and Lot and some of these other guys. But these will be no surprise there. And by the way, all the followers of Jesus are going to be in that great place called heaven. Uh, we expect these people to be there. Now, it all happens in an instant. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, to the next book, right after 1 Corinthians comes 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. We are always confident. Now, that's a good word. Confident. That means assured. We have assurance. Knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from who? From who? All right, so I'm not with the Lord right now. I'm with my wife. I'm with you. But the verse goes on. He says this. Uh, I got to make sure I'm in the right place here. Verse 8. We are confident also, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body so we can be present with who? All right, so the moment this soul of mine leaves this body, guess where I'm going to be? With the Lord Jesus. Uh, I, there's a confident, and it, it, right there it says it happens in an instant. There's not this slow crawl towards the light, okay? Uh, it may take a while for you to die. I mean, you may be 80 years old. I mean, we all wish that we could die in our sleep, but not everybody gets to do that. But the, uh, the moment that you finally are gone from that body, there's no delay. In an instant, you wake up in heaven. You wake up in the presence of the Lord, and that's the confidence of the believer. This body's going to perish, but your soul is made to live forever. God made your soul in His image. It's going to live forever. So, there are going to be some surprises in heaven, some big surprises, things you might not expect to be there. Uh, you, uh, you, you're going to want to write some of these things down because this is a real blessing. You see, if you take a brief look around, if you could right now quickly go take a peek, you'd say, man, I want to be there. Boy, I wish I could go today, amen. Now, there are people who need you down here, so don't go too quick, Okay. <laughs> But when you take a peek in the Bible and you peel back the shroud covering eternity, 
And you let the Bible surprise you, you'll start to delight and look forward to even the surprises that they're going to be in heaven. Father, we bow before you right now, and I ask you to help me be a blessing. Help every hearer and reader of your word this morning just to examine the pages, search their own heart, examine themselves, see if they're in the faith. Let them not worry about whether they're good enough. Let them not worry about whether they've prayed enough, whether they've done enough. I pray they've been born again. I pray that every person in this room who claims to follow Christ actually does, and is not just a Christian in name only, because heaven is serious. There is eternity out there, and there's too many people who are not ready for it. So this morning, may we be really ready for it, and ready even for the surprises. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what are some of the surprises that are in heaven? There are, I, got, I wrote down nine of them. I bet you could find 90, but I thought nine was pretty cool. Number one, the unworthy are going to be there. Take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 14 and verse 12. You know, when a person makes a big dinner, wants to celebrate something, you know, they usually invite special friends. Important people. Family, at least the family they like. Amen. <laughs> you invite people who, who can make it to your house on their own. And when they come, they bring gifts and they just, they just make it worthwhile inviting. You invite people who appreciate all the work that goes into that meal that you're preparing for them. And hopefully will one day invite you over to their house and pay you back. That's who you normally invite, but Jesus says that's not how heaven works. Luke chapter 14, and verse 12. <clears throat> then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner, this is Jesus speaking, or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors. Don't you wish you had some of those? <laughs> Lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. When thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot, they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto the well, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. You know, some people sometimes just blurt out without thinking. Verse 16, then he said unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Dinner is served. Verse 18. And they all with one consent began to make what? Wow. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I don't know if they're going to work out or not. So I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and she will not let me come. Therefore, I cannot come. You know, you can read it. You know what it's actually saying. Anyway, verse 21. So that servant who has gone and, and has invited those invited guests, has told them it's time to come, ready to go. Food is on the table. And the servant came and showed the Lord these things. And then the master of the house, became, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring hither. Notice. Whatever poor, the maimed, the halt, those who can't walk in the blind. And the servant said, Lord, 
He just comes back and he says, it is done as I commanded, and yet there's room at the table. And the Lord said unto the servant, now go out into the highways and hedges, find people who don't want to be found, <laughs> and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were originally bidden shall taste of my supper. I want you to understand, heaven doesn't work the way we do. I mean, I, I, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, you take me to get coffee, I'll get you coffee next time. That's how we work, isn't it? But Jesus said, he commanded us to invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, people who you'll have to make a lot of effort to go and get and pick up and put in the car and take somewhere. And then you have to set them down and you have to pick them up again, take them back out to the car and take them home. And you'll have to pay for them and you'll have to make sure that everything's taken care of for them and they may not even thank you. Those are the kind of people you go after. People who might embarrass you. People who sitting down there and your rich neighbors come by and your, your family and come in there and you, you, here you are sitting with somebody and, and they, they, they haven't had a good meal in, in days and maybe they haven't had a bath in weeks and there you are sitting next to them and they're making a mess out of the whole thing and you're looking at it, you're looking at your family and you're, like, <laughs> and you're embarrassed. And the Lord said, that's what heaven is filled with. That's us. You see, when we get to heaven and we look around, you know who's going to be there? Not one wealthy, not one uh, smart, not one able, not one righteous person. You're going to be there? A bunch of sinful people who've been forgiven, who've been saved from the wrath to come, who've been made right, who were not right. Uh, you're, you can leave Luke and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 26. 1 Corinthians 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. First Corinthians 1 and verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things, the lowest things of the world, God has chosen. The things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which don't even exist, which are not, to bring to naught the things that are. Why? Verse 29. So that no flesh should glory in his presence. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a similar message I could preach. I'm going to talk about some surprises in heaven, but there's another message I could preach on things that won't be in heaven, and there'll be no bragging in heaven. There'll be no boasting, no way to say, you know, I went to church every day. Oh, I, I said the Our Father a hundred times a day. Oh, I did it. There'll be no boasting in heaven. The reason why this verse is in there, God chose, God actually elected the, un, the, the unwanted. And he says, I want those. Amen. That's brilliant. Because that means you and I get to get in. See, people you never thought would ever get saved will end up standing right next to you on those streets of gold. You go, what are you doing here? <laughs> they go, I was going to ask you the same. <laughs> it's going to be great when we get to heaven, folks. The ungodly, the wicked people of your past, the people that 20 years ago hurt you and never looked back, never cared about you, and you walked on with life and you carried the scars through your life and you didn't know anything about them, you didn't follow up, you never met them again another day in your life, you hoped that they ended up in hell. And then one day you end up and you see them in heaven and they look at you and they go, 
Well, a couple of years after you left, a soul winner gave me a gospel track and I got saved. And you go, <gasps> you know, ungodly, wicked people are going to go to heaven before the good ones do. Amen. They get in. You know how? By humbling themselves and coming to Christ to save them. Make them all brand new. Wash them clean. Have you ever done that? You say, I'm a good person. That won't be good enough. God can take an adulterer. God can take a harlot. God can take a liar. And that's pretty hard. God can even take murderers and change their lives. Amen. Make them able for heaven. Make them ready to go. Let me give you an illustration. In the third century, there was a debate between a pagan named Celsus and a Christian named Origen. Celsus had, had, uh, Celsius, had, had, uh, uh, like, had like the, the most uh, popular op-ed column in the newspaper of the day. Everybody read Celsus' writings. And Celsus, uh, the pagan, proudly declared, when most teachers go forth to teach, they cry, Come to me, you who are clean and worthy. And they are followed by the highest caliber of people available. But your, and he's writing to Origen, he says, but your silly master, speaking of Jesus, cries, come unto me, ye who are down and beaten by life. And so he accumulates around him the rag, tag, and bobtail of humanity. Origen, the Christian, wrote back and said, yes, we are the rag, tag, and bobtail of humanity, but my master Jesus does not leave them that way. Out of material you would have thrown away as useless, he fashions men, giving them back their self-respect, enabling, enabling them to stand on their feet and look God in the eyes. They who were cowed and cringing and broken things, the Son has made free. That's how you respond. When, when people look and go, oh, you, there's not a new car in the lot out there. Oh, the people that, 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 that worship Jesus are losers. Yeah. We, we may have started out that way, but you know, one of these days we're going to realize we're not that way anymore. We're not that way anymore. We were useless. We were broken, and most of us still are. We were rejects, and then we discovered that God wanted us. I can't tell you how powerful that truth hit me as an unsaved 17-year-old when this woman gave me the gospel and told me I needed to be born again or else I was going to go to hell. All of that shook me, but none of it gave me any hope until she said, Jesus Christ wants to save you right now. And I said, he wants me? He wants me? That got my attention. The chiefest of sinners. Paul said this, Christ Jesus came in the world not to save good people, but to save sinners of whom I am chief. He paid off all our mess-ups, all our wickedness on the cross, and he makes us all over again. Forgiven. As unworthy any of us ever could be, we're all welcome. Invited to be with Jesus forever and ever, all because of Jesus and his righteousness, not because of anything about me. He just invites me to come. Isn't that cool? He didn't say, now go back home and make sure you do everything right. Make sure you say your prayers. Make sure you're a good little boy. Make sure you tithe. Make sure you read your Bible. Make sure you do everything right, and I'll consider letting you into heaven. No, he just says, come unto me. Just come on, I'll get you in. Somebody says, well, I'm trying through Mary. Wrong door. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trusting the church. Not going to get you in. 
well, I'm, I'm hoping that, that the Lord will, you know what, he won't understand a thing, he won't understand a single excuse. When you've been invited and you won't come, you've lost it. But if you're bl blind, maimed, uh, broken, flawed, if your life is ruined and all you do is look up and you say, God, will you take me? He says, in. Amen. Now, all that to say this, up in heaven, that's all there is. And you're going to be shocked at who got in. I, I, they didn't stay murderers. They didn't stay adulterers. They didn't stay liars. But let me tell you this, that person that you say, that person will never get saved. You might just be shocked one of these days when you find them in heaven. I think I've told you about a man who was an ungodly man. His name was John Jordana. I can say his last name. Nobody knows him. And John and I worked together in a company when I was at Bible college. And uh, he was about 15 years my senior. And he lived with a woman. He lived with his girlfriend. And he had an ungodly mouth. And he made fun of God. And he made fun of me as a Christian. And I sort of just grinned and bared it. Sometimes I throw stuff back at him, make fun of him as an atheist, so on and so forth. But we had a pretty good rapport. But every time I'd witness to him, he'd just... He'd almost spit. And I just thought, that boy will never get saved. I mean, one time he's sitting there and he's bragging on he and his girlfriend and stuff. And I says, you know, you ought to marry that girl. You're living in sin. And he just got mad, huffed, walked out of the office, went into another place, just like this. I probably said that to him two times in, in our two or three years of working together while I was at Bible college at this, at this computer company. And, and anyway... Need and I got married. We moved up to Purgatory, up to New Jersey. And uh, uh, no, I'm not watching it. I'm straight on, on the money. Anyway, we went up, went up to New Jersey. And uh, there I was. And I got a phone call about five years later. And I get this phone call and this voice goes, Craig. And I knew it was John. But I never expected his voice. I said, who's this? He says, it's John. I said, John Georgiana? He said, yes. I said, what's up? Anybody die? What's the problem? This is terrifying. What's up? He said, Craig, I got saved. Is this John? <laughs> what? Say that again. Craig, I got to tell you, all those times you witnessed to me, it was like a dagger. I knew you were right, and I knew I was living in sin. And the hundreds of times you told me I was living in sin with my girlfriend, I said, I probably just told you twice. <laughs> The hunt, it was like a dagger, and I just resisted, and I argued with you in my head, and I spit at the name of Jesus. But finally, at the end, another man sat me down and said, I must be born again, and he wouldn't let me leave until I read out of the Bible myself that Jesus said it. And that night, just two weeks ago, no, I don't know how long ago it was, but just a while back, uh, I got saved. And you know what? Whatever her name was, let's call her Sarah or Susie, or whatever, we got married just, just last month or whatever, and she said, you better call Craig and let him know. You know what? I'm looking forward to that surprise in heaven when I meet John and his wife, who I thought never would get saved, who I thought wouldn't be there. Amen. I, I look forward to that surprise. There are going to be people you say, oh, they, they never got saved. Oh, there's people who just, you don't know. Let me just tell you this. God's looking for the mess-ups. God's looking for the broken people. God's looking for the broken hearts, the, the, the failed lives. And he says, I want that. If only we would want him. The unworthy are going to be there. Hallelujah. Be ready to be shocked at the kind of people you meet in heaven. <laughs> Secondly, worship's going to be there. Go to Revelation chapter 4. 
I aim to surprise you this morning. Now, you would think that people would expect worship going on in heaven, wouldn't you? You'd think, hey, when we get to heaven, all we're going to do is worship God. You know, that terrifies some people. <laughs> it probably going to surprise some of you that worship goes on all the time in heaven. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. Revelation 4 and 8, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they had not rest. They rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts, these are, these are heavenly creatures, they give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth and abideth, who liveth forever and ever. Verse 10. The four and the twenty elders around the throne fall down before him that sat on the throne, and they worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Look in um, uh, chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all the nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and they fell before the throne on their faces. And what did they do? They worshiped God. Now, it may surprise you that worship is going on right now in heaven. And every time we have church and you start singing, you're joining in with a song that's been going on for a very long time. You know, when you come to church and you gather together, this is supposed to be a little taste of heaven. This is supposed to resonate with the same joy that's going on right now. The worship that you give to God so briefly in this life connects with that worship that is going on all the time. And it may just surprise you. All of heaven is worshiping right now. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. I beheld and I heard, and this is John, and he's seeing everything going up in heaven. And he says, I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and even thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13, every creature was in heaven, which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. Heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, amen. <laughs> and the four and 20 elders fell down and there they were doing it again. They're worshiping him that liveth forever and ever. Listen to me. You're, you're going to be surrounded by millions and millions of people who are just saying, there he is. That's a lover of my soul. I love you! You see those nuts uh, in the, uh, at rock, and I, uh, some of us were wicked enough to have gone to some of these rock concerts when we were younger and stuff, and you see those people going freaking out at their rock idol and their music idols. Now you got the movie idols and the people, And they have no problem with that. One of these days when I, get to go to, when I get into heaven and I sit there and I see Jesus Christ, 
and I see him, and I don't care how many other people are around, you're going to be embarrassed by how much I just say, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't deserve to be here. I just fall down on my face, and I begin to praise him. I begin to thank him. I begin to go over all of the blessings, and I go over all the miracles, all the things that God has done to keep me alive, how he's been good to me, and I just raise my hands, and I say, bless you, Father. Bless you. Thank you. I love you. Now, some of you, you say, oh, I don't know if I could. Well, maybe heaven's not for you. I don't know. Maybe you just won't fit. You see, worship in heaven won't go on for an hour or two. It'll go on forever and ever and ever. You won't be floating around. Did I put this up? No, not yet. You won't be floating around on a, uh, on a cloud with a, a gentle heart pulling there, you know, like you're on drugs. You know what will be in heaven? There'll be laughter. There's going to be joy and shouting and dancing and unhindered praise of the Lamb of God. There will be hearty, passionate, victorious worship, like the victory song of a team after, a, after winning a series, or like an army coming back after winning a war. You know, there's going to be up in heaven, you're just going to be saying, wow, wow. I mean, you won't have, there won't be another word for a thousand years, wow. Wow, you'll never get over being there. You know what, that brings up a good point. Up in heaven, you won't have any time to get carnal. You know what that means? You won't be, you won't, you won't be able to sneak off to the side and go smoke a fag. I'm really stressed out today. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you won't be able to go, you won't find a pub open, amen. You won't find Netflix up there, you won't find the internet up there. Be no arguing, no fighting, no complaining. Hallelujah. Amen. You just want to praise God. Amen. I don't care if the tires are flat now. I don't care if you're stuck indoors like we were for the last three days. I don't care if you got no milk, no Brennan's bread today. You've got, you've got nothing to eat. You can still raise your hands and say, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's good to me. Amen. Because that's what you'll be saying in heaven for a very long time. So I don't know if that's for me. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> maybe some of you don't want that kind of heaven. So you sit as far back in church as possible. I'm not looking. <laughs> you sing as little as possible. You never say amen. You never let your heart get engaged and passionate about these things. Eh, you probably wouldn't like heaven anyway. I sure would choose it over the alternative. Some of you, if you do get there, you may be very surprised at how awesome worship will be. I look forward to it. I enjoy every time I'm at church, every time I open my Bible, every time I close my eyes and pray. You know why? Because I know I'm entering into the presence of the Lord God Almighty. And I come right before His throne boldly, and I bring all of my cares, but I also bring all of my praise. And it may be hard sometimes, but he's worthy of every sacrifice right now. You know, it'll be easy in heaven. You know that. Right now, it may cost me something to give him praise, but he's worth it. He's worth it. Worship's going to be there. Third thing, treasures are going to be there. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. 
you know, I, I, heaven's going to be enough for me. I mean, just, just being there, just being welcome there. I mean, you ever been somewhere and you knew you weren't welcome? <laughs> I've never been like that. Boy, I don't know. You need to get out more. But there, you've been in some places, you go, oh, they don't want me here. I'm going to be glad that I'll be in heaven. I'll be wanted. Amen? Praise God. But, you know, God adds more to our eternity than just eternal life. He adds awards and treasures in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. The Bible says this, lay, up, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. I wonder if you could include Bitcoin on that. Don't lay up treasures upon earth. That doesn't mean that you don't save for your kids and your grandkids. That doesn't mean that you don't work hard and you buy a house. It doesn't say that, but if your house is your treasure, if your car is your treasure, if your, if your investments are your treasure, look what happens. Moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves, they all have a banker's name on them, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Awards. You know, you know I, I think the Lord's, there are some people who are worthy of some amazing things. They've, they've sacrificed everything. I, I know personally some people who have sacrificed their careers. I know of a very wealthy man uh, uh, in Dallas, Texas. His name was C.T. Studd. He was a millionaire back in the 1920s, 1930s, during the Depression. And he had a big, huge Texas business. And he set it all aside, and he gave it to an extended family, and he went off and became a missionary. He changed careers so he could go and give the gospel to somebody in a faraway land. I know some people who sacrificed their careers, who sacrificed their health. They sacrificed their very lives to go and teach and preach this book that you open and you have free in your hand almost. They go and they win souls and they raise their families against the flow. You know, God's going to reward every loss of friends that you've ever had. He's going to make up for all the fortunes that you laid aside and you didn't make. And He'll make them up with great rewards. But He'll also, he'll also take care of the little things that you do. Go to Mark chapter 9. <clears throat> you know, when you just obey and honor Christ, when nobody else notices you, guess who does? Mark chapter 9, verse 41. Mark 9, 41. For whosoever shall give unto you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, somebody just as kind to you, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Somebody sits back over here, hands you a nice cup of tea, and you come in here and you've had a hard week and somebody smiles at you, it's Tuesday, and, and, and you take that cup of tea and you go and you grab a homemade scone that Kemi's made and that, that's been buttered lovingly and basted with jam by Kathy. And you go and you sit there and you never, never think one moment that God watch that and watch these people bless you. And the Lord's going to say one of these days, going to say, I just want to reward you for being faithful, being a blessing to some people who needed it. They had a hard week and there you were smiling and loving on them, hugging them and, 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 and fixing them their favorite tea 
and always having it ready further with a smile. That little thing, you know what the Lord says? You won't lose your reward. Pretty cool. Big things, little things. The Lord's going to, you say, life is rough. I know life's rough. You don't know what I've been through. I don't think I ever could comprehend what you've been through. But I know God does, and I know one of these days he'll make it up to you. And it may just shock you. It may just shock you how wonderful those treasures are going to be to make up for whatever you went through here. Treasures will be up there. You know, when you just keep your mouth shut, when you wanted to say something you would regret, the Lord says, I'll reward you for that. Amen. When you're just faithful at your job, in your home, at church, just reading your Bible, when you're just faithful doing those things, the Lord said, I'll reward that. That's how you lay up treasures in heaven. You just do what's right. You just do what the Bible says. You just do it because he's worthy. You're not trying to earn anything, but you know one of these days, no matter what it costs you, no matter what you have to put up with, no matter how hard it is, I don't understand the king's English. Well, you will if you read it. Just keep reading it. And the Lord will reward you. There are rewards in heaven like we can't imagine. I think it will surprise you. Warning. Warning. Be ready to be disappointed too. Because when you get to heaven, and the Lord says, you could have had. You could have had. And you look around, you look at your life, and you go, I never invested anything in my life for the Lord. That leads me to my next point. Tears will flow in heaven. Go to Revelation chapter 21. Actually, go to Revelation 7 first. Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. Revelation 7, 17. And then we'll go to chapter 21 after this. For the Lamb, speaking of Jesus, the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now this is people in heaven. The Lord's going to wipe away all our tears. Go to chapter 21 and verse 4. Chapter 21 and verse 4. And I need you to go back to verse 1 just so that you get when this is happening. Verse 20, chapter 21, verse 1, I saw a new heaven. Now, this is a time when there's a new heaven made and a whole new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Just stop there and just, just think for a minute. How can that be if there's so many treasures in heaven, just being in heaven? How could anybody be weeping? There are two kinds of tears in heaven. The first one, I need you to go to Mark, oh, no, not the right one. Psalm 56. Psalm 56. There are two kinds of tears in heaven. Psalm 56 and verse 8. When a very, very, very important person, somebody very wealthy, somebody very powerful, died. Do 
the mourning and the, and the tears that would flow over the death of this very important person. The tears were kept in small little vials. They kept the tears of the people who were weeping the death of the person. And they would, they would capture the tears of these people. You don't know if they were real or not. I don't know. But they were capturing them and they would seal them and they would bury the tears with that person. But these aren't the tears for somebody. These, I want you to show the tears that are in heaven here. Psalm 56 in verse 8. Thou tellest my wandering, meaning you keep record of my wanderings, all of my struggles. Put thou my tears into thy what? Are they not written in thy book? You know, God keeps a record of what you go through. And you say, God, do you care? He says, yep, I'm watching. But you know, he somehow, the tears and the struggle and the defeat, I'm not here, uh, is, is, uh, is, is something so hard for you just to get through. The Lord keeps your tears. And you say, you know what? They were precious to me. And when you get to heaven and you see those tears in heaven, you'll go, they really were precious to you because you keep what is precious, don't you? That's what you hold on to. And he saw every one of those tears, every one of those heartaches, every one of those times you hit the wall and you just felt like dying. There's another kind of tears in heaven. And those are fresh tears. Tears for souls that are not there. Again, there will be people that you'll look for in heaven and they will be missing. Probably one of the one of my heroes growing up, I didn't even realize it until after I got saved, was my grandfather. My grandfather was a very good man. My, my grandfather was probably the best man I've ever known in my life. I'd never heard a curse word out of his mouth. I never heard him, uh, I never heard, uh, heard him, um, uh, ever, I'd never heard of him doing anything wrong. And my grandfather, Richard Craig, that I get my name from, by the way, uh, was, was such an amazing person to me. I'd sit down, he's, he was one of the top five lawyers in Texas, and you would not know it. Sitting on his lap, he had a big pipe and his cardigan uh, sweater, and he would tell stories, and we'd go for walks. He'd buy me the biggest hamburger I could ever eat. And um, anytime I would, I would talk about something, he said, now, why do you want to do that? You know, I mean, I'd say, I want to go to the moon. He'd go, now, why do you want to do that? <laughs> and I had to think about it. Well, because it's the moon, you know. But anyway, I had such respect for my grandfather. And I remember he would, he would wake up every day at 6 a.m. and he would read his Bible. He read his Bible for a half hour. He read his Bible every day. But you know what? He never once told me about Jesus, never ever mentioned the name Jesus, never ever talked about church, never talked about the Bible, never encouraged me to read the Bible, never told me how to be saved. I, after I got saved, I asked him, are you saved? He looked at me and said, hmm. And that was it. I don't know if my grandfather's going to be in heaven. And you know what? If I get to heaven and he's not there, I'm going to cry. Because I love my grandfather. There are going to be some tears in heaven that only God can wipe away. You better start looking around at the people that are important to you. And if you're going to heaven and you know they're not, one of these days you're going to get to heaven and you're going to go, they're not here. They didn't make it out. You know, all the disaster movies, they go right out there. You know, you're going to face that one of these days when you walk into heaven and you look around and your mom's not there and your wife's not there and your son's not there and you will fall apart. There'll be tears in heaven. And only God, you say, how am I going to face that? 
you, the only person that will help you stiffen up and be able to face that will be God Almighty. Amen. You're going to look on your life, you're going to think, see how little you did for God. How you complain, you debated about even coming out to church today. And you complain, you debated, oh, I just can't read the Bible. Oh, I just, I just can't carry a gospel track. It's too embarrassing to witness. And then when you reach heaven, you'll go, what a fool I was. Just know this, there are going to be tears in heaven, and I think it will surprise all of us. The wasted lives that we've lived for things, trinkets, things that fall apart. There's going to be a massive city going to be there, Hebrews chapter 11. I better hurry up, I know I'm losing you. Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> See, a lot of people think, and they got a misconception, they think heaven is sort of this, like a place on LSD, you know? They just float around, psychedelic, ride the rainbow. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, speaking of Canaan, the promised land, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned. In the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, we'd say tents, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So yes, he was looking to get into the promised land, but he looked beyond that and he says, but God, you have a city there for me. Go to Revelation chapter 21. You're in Hebrews. Keep going to the right. Find Revelation again, chapter 21 and verse 10. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the new Jerusalem, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. There's a city up there. Having the glory of God and her light was likened to a stone, most precious, even unto a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a great wall and high and had 12 gates and, and at the gates 12 angels and names written thereon which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Go to verse 15. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the walls thereof. And the city lieth four square. It's the same in all four directions. And the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. Now a furlong is an eighth of a mile. If you divide 12,000 by 8, you get 1,500 miles. Like from here to Italy. 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Go down to verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon nor the, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. See, there's a huge city there. I mean massive, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. A massive city. It's called the New Jerusalem. The Old Jerusalem's kind of beat up, would you agree? The Old Jerusalem's got filled with guns and filled with, with armies fighting and struggling to, 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 to just to hold things together. But in that New Jerusalem, there's peace and there's joy and there's light. There's no darkness there. There's no war there. There's no more death there. By the way, there are mansions throughout that city. One of them's got my name on it. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, 
I will come again to receive you unto myself. So where I am, there you may be also. There's, there's, there's a river flowing out of it, right out of the middle of the city. The streets are paved with pure gold, not gravel or chippings or tarmac. It's paved with solid gold. There's a highway over in Colorado called the, called the Million Dollar Highway. And this was back in the 70s or 80s. And they were digging up uh, a lot of um, uh, dirt and stuff. And I'm not sure how it all happened. And I'm not sure if our resident Colorado who's been in Colorado, I don't know if I've got this fact exactly right, but they accidentally mixed in a bunch of dirt that came out of a gold mine in with the tarmac. Somehow it got mixed in there. So you drive for a couple miles before they figured out the, 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 the problem. And so when you drive for about a mile or two on this tarmac, there's gold sprinkled all throughout it. And people go just to drive on that gold. You know what? I'll be walking on solid gold one of these days. <laughs> I mean, there's a city up there of solid gold. You say, I've got a piece of gold. It's about that big. It's worth about uh, 400 euros. I've got a mansion made out of this stuff, man. i got the stuff that the streets are made out of. So don't talk to me about how you work so hard just to make your gold here. It's a city filled with believers, with Christians, sinners saved by God's grace. Next time you see Star Wars and Star Trek and all these space movies and these big cities in space, know this. You're going there one day, a much better one than George Lucas could ever imagine. Another thing that will surprise you, Jesus will serve us. Go to Luke chapter 12. Well, go ahead and look at Revelation. You're in Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. We read it there just a moment ago. But maybe you didn't notice, Revelation 7, 17. Speaking of Jesus, Revelation 7, 17, For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall... What's the next two words? He's going to feed them. And will lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears. Now go back to uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 36. <clears throat> and ye yourselves liken the men that wait for their Lord, like waiters, ready to serve, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, speaking a parable, he says that they may open unto him immediately, because he's the owner of the house. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that they shall gird themselves and sit down to meet and will no, no. He shall gird himself. That means put on a servant's garment and shall make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve us. That blows me away. I mean, the fact that I'm there, the fact that I got, I got rewarded for just little things I was trying to do for God, the fact that, that I'm sitting down at a, at a wonderful marriage supper of the Lamb, and I sit down there, and there's Jesus, and he's the prince of servants still. It'll, we'll just go, just like Peter. Peter there in John chapter 13, Jesus takes off the sandal off of Peter's feet. Jesus has put on a, just a towel around his waist and gotten down there at the feet of, Jesus, uh, of Peter, took off his sandal, bought a, brought a basin of, of water and a towel, and he began to wash those feet. And Peter went, stop, what are you doing? you're not going to wash my feet? That's terrible. And I would agree. <laughs> but Jesus said, if I don't do this, you'll have no part with me. And he says, okay, wash the whole body. 
Peter's a good guy. But Jesus said, have you seen what I've done unto you? I want you to do it to each other. I want you to serve one another. And when we get to heaven, the Lord is the king of glory. He is all glorious. But there will be a day where he will step down off that throne and he'll come and he will make sure that you are fed and that you're okay. And he will serve you. And we're going to sit there and go, am I seeing this? See, heaven's full of surprises. Would you agree? Luke 24. Luke 24. I'm going to try to run fast. Luke chapter 24. In heaven, you'll finally understand what God's been doing all along. And that'll shock you. You're actually going to have, somehow, if you want to ask any question, you can ask it. Why did you let that happen, Lord? And the Lord will say, and he'll bring out his whiteboard, <laughs> and he'll begin to explain. And you're going to go, wow. I never thought I would ever understand. Luke chapter 24, in verse 44. And he said unto them, these are the words. Now, Jesus is speaking. He's personally speaking to two men after the resurrection. They're confused. They're distraught. Go back. Forgive me there, but let's go back. Um, uh, verse 38. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Oh, this is actually with the disciples. I'm sorry. Uh, he's actually come back, and he's in the upper room there. Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones. You're not seeing an apparition as you see me have. I have real flesh and bones. Verse 40, And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed, not for joy, and wondered, he said to them, Have you, not, have you here any meat? And he gave them, and, and they gave him a piece of a boiled, boiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said to them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and of the prophets and of the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And I get to some, there, there are some things, Brother Dan, that just go over my head in the Bible. There are a lot of things that I don't understand. There are a lot of things I don't understand about what happened in my life. Why did they happen? Why, what is this happening? Why is that happening? How come that's not happening? One of these days, the Lord's going to open up this little pea brain of mine and going to pour in some wisdom and some knowledge and some understanding, and I'll go, Wow. You'll be shocked, and you go, you are good. God, you've never failed me. God, you were there when I wasn't even looking for you. You took care of me when I didn't deserve it. God, all that was good. Everything worked out right. I thought it was a disaster. I thought it was, I thought it was a mistake, and you made it all good. Whatever the devil meant for evil, you always made it good. You're going to finally understand what God's been doing. I think that will shock you. Might as well just sit back and go, so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is good. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all the ways, just acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. The blood will be there. Now, this is deep. Very quickly, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Hebrews 12, 22. You know what, heaven, <clears throat> heaven's going to be so pure and so awesome and so perfect. It, it, it really, it, people call it a pipe dream. People call it um, an opium of the people, uh, this hope of heaven. 
And uh, let me just tell you this. If there is no heaven, if there's nothing that Jesus died to get me into, if there's no reason for his death, if there's no reason for my life, end it now. Eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow you're going to die. But if there is a place called heaven, and as perfect as it is, there is one place that is stained. I want to show you this. Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 22. Ye are come, when we get into heaven, you're coming to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You come to the city there. To an innumerable company of angels. There could be zillions and zillions of them. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. That's all Christians. Which are written in heaven. And to God, you're going to see him, the judge of all. You'll see the spirits of just men made perfect. And you'll see Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And you'll come to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You're going to see the blood of the atonement. And you see, if there is a beautiful throne, now this is a pale comparison, but something so white and so beautiful and so stunning and so radiant, the throne of God, whatever it would look like, stained with the sacrifice of His Son. For all eternity, there it is to remind us, that's how I got here. That stain there. I mean, how many of you have a stain on a carpet you're embarrassed of? How many have a stain on a shirt or on a, or on a jumper so you don't wear it? How many have stain uh, uh, in, in, on a wall where you spill tea against the wall and it won't come up? Or coffee stains or, or a tablecloth you can't put out because the stain's on there. You know why? Because it's embarrassing. Because it shows a failure. Because it shows where something went wrong. Well, that will be forever in heaven. And we'll step and we'll come by the throne and then we'll crumble and we'll say, that's the blood. That's the only thing that got me in here. That stained throne, the mercy seat of God. And we'll start worshiping and praising God all over again. The blood will be there. It'll surprise you to see such a beautiful throne stained with the blood of Jesus Christ. It will constantly remind us of what it costs for us to be there. It'll stop us dead in our tracks. And it'll be reminded, an eternal reminder of us what it costs God, what it costs God. It brings me to my last thought. One other thing that'll be there, some scars. Luke 24, Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, verse 36. We kind of just briefly read over this, but one last time. Luke 24, verse 36. As they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. So he just comes into the room. Doors are locked, so he comes through the doors. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my... Why is he showing them his hands and his feet? Behold, that is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands. And his feet. Remember Thomas? Remember how Thomas said, I won't believe until I put my finger in his hand and put my hand in his side. And then Jesus goes, boo. <laughs> and he turns around and he holds out his hands. What's he doing? He's showing that he's keeping his scars. You see, you won't have any scars in heaven. 
There'll be no sign in heaven of any of the struggles you've had in this life. I don't care if you're an amputee. I don't care if you lost your, your gallbladder. I don't care if you had nose reconstruction or if you, you have uh, scars from the spots of being a teenager. doesn't matter. When you walk into heaven, you have a whole new body. Not a scar in sight. Not a, not a, uh, not a crooked finger. Not a, not a twisted knee. You know what you'll have? A perfect body. But when you walk up to Jesus Christ, there's going to be a scar here, a very big one, and a scar here, and a scar here, and then a scar through each, the center of each foot. And when you walk up to him and those scars face you, it'll surprise you. You say, I thought everything was perfect here. I thought everything was, was, was right here. I thought everything was new here. The Lord says, I kept these. I kept these. Because, you see, Jesus never wants to get over what he did for you, and he never wants you to get over what he did for you. You know, one of these days you're going to, a billion, trillion years out, and you, you, you again, you'll see those scars, and there'll be a memorial. There'll be a remember. That's love. You want to know if somebody loves you? Look to Jesus Christ. Because those scars will remind you, I love you. All right, I've done my best. Heaven's going to take your breath away one of these days. I mean, honestly. Not because of what we expect, but because of the surprises that will be there. But the question is, will you be there? There's only one kind of person that can look forward to a place called heaven. A messed up, broken, frail failure of a sinner who's been born again. Amen. You better make sure you're going. Unbelievably, you can make sure today. You say, I can make sure today? You can make sure today. I wish you, I wish you saw this as the opportunity of a lifetime. If I was up here and I was selling a Get Rich Quick program and I was saying, if you sign up right now, I guarantee that you will make a thousand euros by one o'clock. <laughs> People would queue up here. You would just, you would, you would do everything you could to be first in line, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. Don't, don't, you be, don't you be hyper spiritual on me. You know you would. But if I could tell you, you can have the gift of God, which is eternal life right now. I almost missed it. I was in a church service on Sunday night, my first Sunday night. I sat there in church. I had heard the gospel week after week after week. I heard the pastor plead and beg and say, come get saved. Come take my hand. I will pray with you. I'll talk to you. I'll answer every one of your questions. As he, as he spoke to that crowd of about 300 people there, and, and, he, and he asked, is there anybody who's not sure? Is there anybody ready to get saved? And I, in my heart, was beating a million miles a second. And he said, don't go out of this door the same way you came in. Don't go out of this door lost on your way to hell and get in your car and then die in an accident and then for all eternity regret missing this opportunity to get saved today. And I sat there about over halfway in the back on that side of the church. And I sat there and I held onto the back of that pew and I said, everybody's watching. Nobody was watching. <laughs> what will everybody think? And he said, okay. And he closed out the service. And the joy, everybody was just, most everybody was saved, except me. And oh, getting ready to go home and my heart's beating. And I kept thinking, I'm going to hell. Going to hell. Going to hell. And I almost missed it. I almost was too proud 
I remember going up to one of my best friends now, named John Cranford. I went up to him and said, John, we need to talk. John said, what's wrong? You look like you're about, you look like you died. <laughs> I said, John, I need to get saved. I'm going to hell. He says, that's wrong. Come over to the house right now. So he went over to his house, sat me down there, spent 45 minutes going over the gospel again. <laughs> I kept saying, would you get to the point? Because I was so ready to get saved. I'd almost missed it at church. God gave me one more chance. On the 15th of June, 1980, I got born again. You say, how'd you do it? <laughs> There's no steps. There's no program. You know what you do? You look up to heaven. You cry out as a sinner from your heart. You know you're lost. You cry out, save me. And the Lord says, done. Done. That fast. He just, he wants you to know he wants you. He just wants to know, do you want him? Father, we bow before you right now, and we thank you for heaven. What an amazing thing to look forward to. Maybe we need to step back and realize not everybody who thinks they're going is. The only people that get into a place like that aren't perfect people because there are none. But you can take anybody else who will just come by way of the cross, who just come through Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way. Not the church, not my mother, not your best works. I am the way. I'm the truth. Pope doesn't have the truth. Richard Dawkins doesn't have the truth. Um, uh, all the newscasters don't have the truth. You are the truth. And you're the life. No man comes to the Father but by you, Jesus. So, Lord, my heart is, is encouraged. I'm looking forward to heaven, but there probably is one, two, three, four, I don't know how many, who if they died right now, they'd regret all eternity, regret not getting saved today. Today's a good day. As a matter of fact, the Bible says now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Talk to me, dear friend. You can talk straight to God, but if you've got any questions, I'll stay here all day. There are plenty of people here who'd love to just take you aside, answer your questions, show you the Bible one more time, let you know that Jesus Christ not only died for you, but was buried and rose again so that you could just trust him, and he'd take you all the way to heaven. Unworthy as we are, he can make you fit for heaven. Would you like that? If you would, why don't you take some time. Cry out. You can do it right now. You can do it. You're man enough. You're woman enough. You can cry out right now and say, God, with all my heart, I need you. Not, not as my genie, but as my savior. I ask you, please save a wretch like me. Use your own words. I don't care what you say. God doesn't care what you say. He looks at your heart. He's want to know, do you want him? Because he's all you got. Heavenly Father, please bless these thoughts these dear, precious people. I pray that we're kind of excited, looking forward to heaven. I pray somebody gets ready for it and gets saved today. Please, in Jesus' name, amen.